This is a continuation of part two of the year 1851 in the journals of Thoreau, Henry David Thoreau, 1851, June 13th. Walked to Walden last night, moon not quite full, by railroad and upland wood path, returning by Wayland Road. Last full moon, the elms had not leaved, leaved out. The elms had not leaved out, cast no heavy shadow, and their outlines were less striking and rich in the streets at night. I noticed night before night before last from Fairhaven, how valuable was some water by moonlight like the river and Fairhaven Pond, though far away, reflecting the light with a faint glimmering sheen as in the spring of the year. The water shines with an inward light like a heaven on earth. The silent depth and serenity and majesty of water. Like water at night. Strange that man should distinguish gold and diamonds when these precious elements are so common. You think we should find water precious and not gold? I saw a distant river by moonlight, making no noise yet flowing as by day still to the sea, like melted silver reflecting the moonlight. Hmm. Far away it lay encircling the earth, how far away it may look in the night, and even from a low hill home. Miles away down in the valley. As far off as paradise and the delectable country. There is a certain glory attends on water by night. By it the heavens are related to the earth, undistinguishable from a sky beneath you, and I forgot to say that after I reached the road by Potter's Bars, or farther by Potter's Brook, I saw the moon suddenly reflected full from a pool, a puddle from which you may see the moon reflected and the earth dissolved under your feet. The magical moon with attendant stars suddenly looking up with mild luster from a window in the dark earth. Remember how those Bosch, those uh, haiku poets like to look at the moon? <laughs> From the Japanese. The Japanese. In Shinto. <laughs> And then they like the moon. I observed also the same night a halo about my shadow in the moonlight, which I referred to 
The accidentally lighter color of the surfacing surrounding surface, I transferred my shadow to the darkest patches of grass and saw the halo there equally. It serves to make the outlines of the shadow more distinct. He is like Wabasho and Sagio walking through the woods. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Uh -huh. By now, for last night, uh, a few fireflies in the meadow. Do they shine, though, invisibly by day? Is their candle lighted by day? It is not nightfall till the whippoorwills begin to sing. As I entered the deep cut, I was affected by beholding the first faint reflection of genuine and unmixed moonlight on the eastern sandbank, while the surface yet red with day was tinging the western side. You think we should go for a walk in the woods on a full moon night? I guess you would have more light. You want to go hiking on a a full moon, I suppose. That's a different way to go hiking through the woods. What an interval between those two lights. The light of the moon. In what age of the world does that fall upon the earth? The moonlight was as the earliest standui morning light and the daylight. Tinge reminded me much more of the night. There were the old and new dynasties, opposed, contrasted, and an interval between interval between uh, which time could not span. Then is night when the daylight yields to the moon light light. It suggested an interval, a distance not recognized in history. Nations have flourished in that light. When I had climbed the sandbank on the left, I felt the warmer current or stratum of air on my cheek, like a blast from the furnace. The white stems of the pines, which reflected the weak light, standing thick and close together while their lower branches were gone, reminded me that the pines are only larger grasses which rise to the chaffy head and we, the insects that crawl about between them. They are particularly grass-like. Do you think humans are sort of like just insects crawling between the grass? Mm -hmm. So if you're going on a nighttime hike, you might want to go. You might want this podcast. You can listen to this podcast during your nighttime hike. June 22nd, my pulse must beat with nature. After a hard day's work without a thought, during my very, turning my very brain into a mere tool, only in the quiet of evening do I so far recover my senses as to hear the cricket which in fact has been chirping all day. In my better hours, I am conscious of the influx of a serene and unquestionable wisdom. 
which partly unfits. Do you think that just sitting in serene quiet you can acquire unquestionable wisdom? Huh? Unquestionable wisdom, which partly unfits, and if I yield to it more rememberingly would wholly unfit me for what is called the active business of life, for that furnishes nothing for which the eye of reason can rest. What is that other kind of life to which I am thus continually allured? You think he's attracted to the spiritual life and it's no good for business? Uh -huh. uh, which alone I love, it is a life for this world. Can a man feed and clothe himself gloriously, who keeps only the truth steadily before him, who calls in no evil to his aid? Are there duties which necessarily interfere with the serene perception of truth? Do you think there's anything that interferes with the serene perception of truth? Are there duties which necessarily interfere with the serene perception of truth? Are our serene moments mere foretaste of heaven? Joys gratuitously vouchsafed to us as a consolation or simply a transient realization of what might be the whole tenor of our lives. To be calm, to be serene, there is the calmness of the lake when there is not a breath of wind. There is the calmness of a stagnant ditch. So is it with us. Sometimes we are clarified and calmed heartily as we never were before in our lives, not by an opiate, but by some unconscious obedience to the all-just laws, so that we become like a still lake of pure crystal. Think your mind should become still like a pure crystal without an effect Without an effort, our depths are revealed to ourselves. All the world goes by us, is reflected in our depths. Hmm. Such clarity obtained by such pure means, by simple living. By honesty of purpose, we live and rejoice. I awaken to a music which no one about me heard. Hmm. Whom shall I thank for it? The luxury of wisdom, the luxury of virtue. Are there any intemperates in these things? Uh, I feel my Maker blessing me. To the same man the world is a musical instrument. To the sane man. Do you have to... Does the world have to be a musical instrument? How does he get these ideas? You think he has a muse? How does he know this? 
The very touch awakes an exquisite pleasure. Goodness. So far he thinks the world's a musical instrument and he's getting an exquisite pleasure out of it. Huh? When his mind is still, like the lake. Hmm. July 2nd, many large trees, especially elms, about a house are a sure indication of old family distinction and worth than any evidence of wealth. Any evidence of care bestowed on these trees secures the traveler's respect as for a nobler husbandry than the raising of corn and potatoes. They think there's something more noble than corn and potatoes. I passed a regular country dooryard this forenoon. The unpainted one-story house, long and low, with projecting stoop, a deep grass plot, unfenced for yard. Hens and chickens scratching amid the cheap, the chip dirt about the door. This. Last, the main feature, relics of woodpiles, sites of the wooden towers. The nightshade has bloomed in the prenose or winterberry. July 5th. I am interested in those fields in the woods <clears throat> where the potato, potato is cultivated, growing in the light, dry, sandy soil, free from weeds, now in blossom, the slight vine not crowded in the hill. I think they do not promise many potatoes, though mealy and wholesome like nuts. Many fields have now received their last hoeing, and the farmer's work seems to be soon over with them. What a pleasant interview he must have had with them. What a liberal education with these professors, better than a university. It is pleasing to consider man's cultivating this plant thus assiduously, without reference to any crop it may yield him, as if he were to cultivate John's word in like manner. <clears throat> what influence does he receive from this long intercourse? The flowers of the umbelled pyrola or common wintergreen are really very handsome now, dangling red from their little umbels like jewelry, especially the unexpanded buds with their red colic leaves against the white globe of petals. There is a handsome wood path on the east side of White Pond. The shadows of the pine stems and branches falling across the path, which is perfectly red with pine needles, make a very handsome carpet. Here is a small road running north and south along the edge of the wood, which would be a good place to walk by moonlight. <laughs> looking for a place to, to 
to walk by moonlight. A good place be which, which would be would be a good place to walk by moonlight uh, or a good podcast or reading or something by moonlight in the woods. <laughs> the column grows by the lane beyond Seven Star Lane now in blossom as we come over Hubbard's Bridge between 5 and 6 p.m. the sun getting low cool wind. Blowing up the valley, we sit a while on the rails, which are destined for the new railroad, new railing. The light on the Indian hill is very soft and glorious, giving the idea of the most wonderful fertility. The most barren hills are gilded like waving grain fields. What a paradise to sail by. The cliffs and woods of the stream are near and have more shadow and actuality about them. This retired bridge is a favorite spot with me. I have witnessed many a fair sunset from it. It's Hubbard's Bridge. You know. July 6. There is some advantage in being the humblest, cheapest, least dignified man in the village, so that the very stable boys shall damn you. He thinks I enjoy that advantage to an unusual extent. There is many a coarsely mean, well-meaning fellow who knows only the skin of me, who addresses me familiarly by my Christian name. I get the whole good of him and lose nothing myself. There is, quote, Sam Staples, the jailer, whom I never call Sam, however, who exclaimed last evening, quote, Thoreau, Thoreau, are you going up the street pretty soon? Question mark. Well, just take a couple of these handbills along and drop one in our horse pizza, piazza and one at Hull Brooks, and I'll do as much for you another time. I am not above being used, a abused sometimes. So he's saying there's an advantage to humility. <laughs> being the humblest, cheapest, and least dignified man in the village. That way he can hang out with the stable boys. If he can maximize his learning through not being conceited. So he has contact with all sources of knowledge. July 9th. Coming out of town willingly as usual. What? Too loud? Okay, July 9th. Coming out of town. I'm trying to, trying to pick up the pace. So. But it's midwinter and the moon isn't out. Coming out of town willingly as usual. When I saw that reach of Charles River just above the depot, the fair still water, this cloudy evening suggesting the way to eternal peace and beauty. Once it flows, the placid lake-like fresh water, so unlike the salt brine. 
affected me not a little. I was reminded of the way in which Wordsworth so coldly speaks of some natural visions or scenes, quote, giving him pleasure. So, if it gives him pleasure, natural visions and scenes gave Wordsworth pleasure. This is perhaps the first vision of Elysium, on this route from Boston, and then, just then I saw an encampment of Benobscots, their wigwams, where, peering above the rail fence, road fence, they too, looking up the river as they sat on the ground, enjoying the scene. What can be more impressive than to look up a noble river? Just at evening, one perchance which you have never explored, and behold its placid waters reflecting the woods and sky, lapsing inaudibly towards the ocean to behold as a lake. But know it as a river, tempting the beholder to explore it and his destiny of once, at once. Haunt of waterfowl. This was above the factories. All that I saw, that water could never have flowed under a factory. How then can it have reflected the sky? Hmm. This is very Thoreauvian. <laughs> Typical of him. You think you should just walk around and write in a journal about the moon and the birds? and You think this is... What? What? I got a lot about nature. I would be impressed by the moon. <laughs> I'm always impressed by the moon. <laughs> Why is the moon impressive? <laughs> the trees and the moon? <laughs> birds. <laughs> July 10th. A gorgeous sunset after rain, which are horizontal bars of clouds and red sashes to the western window. Berry clouds hanging like a curtain over the window of the west. Damasked. First there is a low arc of the storm clouds in the west under which is seen the clearer, fairer, serener sky and more distant sunset clouds. Uh, under all on the horizon's edge, uh, heavier, massive, dark clouds not to be distinguished from the mountains. Do you think if you didn't have a camera you, or Instagram you had to write descriptions of what you saw? So we have to just write it. How many times I have seen this kind of sunset. Well, I guess you could do a painting, right? I'll have to do a painting or write a poem. Can't you just take a photograph and post it on Instagram and be done with it? Uh -huh. They do that today also. The most glorious sight in nature from the hill behind Minots. I see the birds flying against this red sky, the sun having set. 
one looks like a bat. Now between the two stupendous mountains of the Rostratum, under the evening red, clothed in slightly rosaceous amber light through a magnificent gorge far, far away, as perchance may occur in pictures of the Spanish coast viewed from the Mediterranean. I see a city, the eternal city of the West. <laughs> hmm. He imagines the West, uh, the phantom city, and whose streets no traveler has trod, over whose pavements the horses of the sun have already hurried uh, some Salamanca of the imagination, but it lasts only for a moment, for now the changing light has wrought such changes in it that I see the resemblance no longer. You know how the sunset will just disappear suddenly. By the time you pull out your camera, it's gone. Huh? You have to be fast on the draw. By the time you get your tripod set up, it's gone. Huh? Yeah, it's a tricky business, photography. July 16th, I think that no experience which I have today comes up to or is comparable with the experiences of my boyhood. And not only this is true, but as far back as I can remember, I have unconsciously referred to the experiences of a previous state of existence. What's he referring to? <laughs> Quote, for life is a forgetting. Do you think that after we we die and we're about to reincarnate that you, your memories are erased and then you're reincarnated and start over again? <laughs> for life is a forgetting. So... Yeah, but, oh, it's not erased, but your memory is, uh, yeah, but, uh, it's stored. Yeah, but the total memory, uh, is not, uh, on the earth plane is not. Like the memory of the body to be able to do so many functions physically, the same way the memory of other things. They yeah, but your memory of your previous incarnations is not remembered. Oh, it is. Sometimes it is. Access to that. So it is in a way, if you can deep down into it, or he's partly comes through, but generally it's erased. Or not erased, Nothing but for, erased. it's forgotten. In the universe, forgotten, yeah. But you can remember it, you can well, to function, you can't remember everything, or you would like come back and be obsessed with the no, same things you were doing in the prior you birth. Remember, huh? You can't remember once You'd have too much memory. <laughs> I think that no experience which I have today came comes up to or is incomparable with the experiences of my boyhood. And not only this is true, but as far back as I can remember, I can unconsciously refer to the experiences of a previous state of existence. Quote, for life is a forgetting, etc. Formerly, methought, nature developed as I developed and grew up with me. My life was ecstasy.
It's good to have a good boyhood. His life may have been ecstasy. <laughs> a boyhood of ecstasy in youth before I lost any of my senses. I can remember that I was all alive. He's completely alive and inhibited my body with inexpressible satisfaction. I guess you need a happy boyhood. Both its weariness and its refreshment were sweet to me. This earth was the most glorious musical instrument. I keep saying that. I was audience to its strains. To have such sweet impressions made on me are such ecstasies begotten of the breezes. What do you do, listen to the music of the spheres throughout his childhood? I can remember how I was astonished. I said to myself, I said to others, quote, There comes into my mind such an indescribable, infinite, all-absorbing, divine, heavenly pleasure, a sense of elevation and expansion, and I have had naught to do with it. Jeez, he is a mystic. Goodness. It's almost like he's had the mystical experiences. Maybe he had them as a child. Goodness. Now we're digging deep into the roots, way deeper than Walden. We're going into the, the real Walden now, which is the journals. Oh. Deep down into Walden. This is a pleasure, a joy, an existence which I have not procured myself. I speak as a witness on the stand and tell what I have perceived. The morning and the evening were sweet to me, and I led a life aloof from society of man. I wondered if a mortal had ever known what I knew. I looked in books and for some recognition of the kindred experience, but strange to say, I found none. My goodness. It's quite interesting. Indeed, I was slow to discover that other man had had this experience, for it had been possible to read books and to associate with men on other grounds. The maker of me was improving me. Goodness. When I detected this interference, I was profoundly moved. For years I marched as to a music in comparison with which the military music of the streets is noise and discord. My goodness. I was totally intoxicated, and yet no man could call me intemperate. With all your science, can you tell how it is and whence it is that light comes into the soul? Goodness. Are you going to post this? Uh, so the roots and... The core of Walden. 
the roots of, uh, the boyhood roots of Henry David Thoreau. We got into his, seems that boyhood. Uh, I am reading. Want me to reread that? <laughs> huh? Reread. You want to reread? I'll reread that at the end. Methinks this is the first of dog days. The air is the distance has a peculiar. The air in the distance has a peculiar blue mistiness, or furnace-like look. Though, as I have said, it is not sultry yet. It is not the season for distant views. Mountains are not clearly blue now. The air is the opposite to what it is in November and November. You are not inclined to travel. It is a world of orchards and small fruits now, and you can stay at home if the well has cool water in it. The black nimbleberry is an honest homely berry now drying up as usual. I used to have a pleasant time stringing them on herds grass stems, tracing the wall sides for them. It is pleasant to walk through these elevated fields terraced upon the side of the hill so that the eye of the walker looks off into the blue cauldron of the air at his own level. Here the haymakers have just gone to tea at five o'clock, the farmer's hour before the afternoon is ended. While he still thinks much work may still be done before night. These farmers, they, my goodness, they work all day. They're right up to dark. <laughs> He does not wait till he is strongly reminded of the night. In the distance, some burdened fields are black with haycocks. Some thoughtless and cruel sportsman has killed. Twenty-two young partridges, not much bigger than robins. Against the laws of Massachusetts and humanity, at the corner bridge the white lilies are budded. Green apples are now so large as to remind me of coddling in the autumn again. So, it sounds like they had green apples. The season of fruits has arrived. The dog's bane has a pretty delicate bell-like flower. <laughs> hmm. The Jersey tea abounds. Uh, I see the marks of the Siths. Scythes in the fields showing the breadth of each swath the mowers cut. Cool springs are now a desideratum. Desideratum. The geranium still hangs on. Even the creeping vines love the brooks. I see where one splendor, one slender one has struggled down and dangles into the current which rocks it to and fro. Filberts are formed, and you may get the berry stains out of your hands with their husk, if you have any. So how do you, if you've been picking berries in the woods, how do you get the berry stains out of your hands? <laughs> with the filberts. <laughs> 
Nightshade is in blossom. Con came through the pine plains behind James Baker's, where late was open pasture, now open pitch pine woods. Only here and there the grass has given place to a carpet of pine needles. These are among our pleasantest woods, and open level with blackberry vines, interspersed and flowers as lady slippers earlier and pinks on the outskirts. Each tree has room enough, and now I hear the wood thrust, thrush, from the shade who loves these pine woods as well as I. Do you think that the wood thrust loves the woods like he does? Mm -hmm. Hmm? I pass by Walden's scalped shore, scalloped shore, the equi epa, Epilopium reflects a pink gleam up the vales and down the hills. The chaywink jingles on a bush's top. Why will the Irishman drink of a puddle by the railroad instead of digging a well? How shiftless! What death in life! He cannot be said to live who does not get pure water. Do you think that you cannot be said to live if you do not get pure water. He cannot be said to live who does not get pure water. July 19th. When I am 34 years old, <clears throat> his birthday was July 12th, and yet my life is almost wholly unexpanded how much is in the germ. There is such an interval between my ideal and the actual in many instances that I may say I am unborn. There is the instinct for society, but no society. Life is not long enough for one's success. You think you need multiple lifetimes to develop yourself, <laughs> reborn four times or so. Life is not long enough for one success. Within another 34 years, that miracle can hardly take place. Methinks my seasons evolve more slowly than those of nature. I am differently timed. I am contented. Hmm. Is he contented or trying to evolve? This rapid revolution, revolution of nature, even of nature in me, why should it hurry me? Should we hurry through this reading or take our time? Let a man step to the music which he hears, however measured. Is this famous? Uh -huh. Hmm. Was he famous quotations? Uh -huh. Let the man step to the music which he hears, however measured. Is it important that I should mature as soon as an apple tree? Ah, uh, as soon as an oak. May not my life in nature, in proportion as it is supernatural, 
be only the spring and infantile portion of my spirit's life. Shall I turn my spring to summer? May I not sacrifice a hasty and petty completeness here to entireness? Not there. Is my curve, if my curve is large, why bend it to a smaller circle? My spirit's unfolding observes not the pace of nature. The society which I was made for is not here. Shall I then substitute for the anticipation of that this poor reality? I would rather have the unmixed expectation of that than this reality. If life is awaiting, so be it. If life is awaiting, so be it. I will not be shipwrecked on a vain reality. What were any reality which I can substitute? Shall I with pains erect a heaven of blue glass over myself, though... When it is done, I shall be sure to gaze still on the true ethereal, ethereal heaven far above, as if the former were not that still distant sky overarching that blue expressive eye of heaven. Question mark. I am enamored of the blue-eyed arc of heaven. Hmm. You think he's talking like a transcendentalist. <laughs> hmm. That's also very good. Hmm. Hmm. You think we should podcast this so we can listen to it again? Uh, if you podcast and you're the only one listening to it, does that make you a solipsistic podcaster? Hmm. July 21, men are very generally spoiled by being so civil and well disposed. You can have no profitable conversation with them. They are so conciliatory, determined to agree with you. They exhibit such long-suffering and kindness in a short interview. I would meet with some provoking strangeness so that we may be guest and host and refresh one another. It is possible for a man wholly to disappear and be merged in his manners. The thousand and one gentlemen whom I meet, I meet despairingly and but to part from them, for I am not cheered by the hope of any rudeness from them. A cross man, a coarse man, an eccentric man, a silent, a man who does not drill well. Of him there is some hope. Your gentlemen, they are all alike. They utter their opinions as if it was not a man that uttered them. It is, quote, just as you please, unquote. They are indifferent to everything. They will talk with you for nothing. The interesting man will rather avoid you, and it is a rare chance if you get so far as talk to him. 
the laborers whom I know, the loafers, the fishers and the hunters, I can spin yarns with profitably, for it is hands off. They are they, and I uh, am I still. They do not come to me and quarter me themselves on me for a day, or an hour to be treated politely. They do not cast themselves on me for entertainment. They do not approach me with a flag of truce. They do not go out of themselves to meet me. I am never electrified by my gentleman. He is not an electric eel, but one of the common kind that slip through your hands, however hard you clutch them and leave them covered with slime. He is a man. Every inch of him is worth a groom. <sighs> I don't know how to interpret that. <laughs> July 23, 8 a.m. A comfortable breeze is blowing. Methinks I can write better in the afternoon for the novelty of it. If I should go abroad this morning... Genius makes distinctions which my understanding cannot, and which my senses do not report. If I should reverse the usual, go forth and saunter in the fields all the afternoon, then sit down in my chamber in the afternoon, which is, it is so unusual for me to do, it would be like a new season to me, and the novelty of it would inspire me. You know that word saunter, right? Sauntering. <laughs> I like it when he saunters. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The wind has fairly blown me outdoors. The elements were so lively and active, and I so sympathized with them that I could not sit while the wind went by. And I am reminded that we should especially improve the summer to live out of doors. When we may so easily, it behooves us to break up this custom of sitting in the house, for it is but a custom, and I am not sure that it has the sanction of common sense. A man no sooner gets up than he sits down again. Fowls leave their perch in the morning and beasts their lairs. Unless they are such as go abroad only by night. The cockerel does not take up a new perch in the barn, and he is the embodiment of health and common sense. <laughs> is a literary man to live always or chiefly sitting in a chamber through which nature enters by a window only? What is the use of the summer? He says you should go outside in the summer. You shouldn't sit home like a literary man in your chamber with the window. It's terrible. You must walk so gently as to hear the finest sounds, the faculties being in repose. Your mind must not perspire. True, out of doors, your, my thought is commonly drained, uh, as it were, and shrunk and pressed down by stupendous piles of white ethereal influences, for the pressure of the atmosphere is still fifteen pounds to a square inch. I can do little more than preserve the equilibrium 
and resist the pressure of the atmosphere. I can only nod like the rye heads in the breeze. I expand more surely in my chamber. As far as expression goes, as if that pressure were taken off, but here outdoors is the place to store up influences. Outdoors is the place to store up influences. <laughs> I think we should send this to Outdoor Magazine. They might like it. July 25th. We're coming. We can't go on forever here. You have to make coffee. We can't even finish this. He's like writing all the time now. I'm going to stop here because this is a good place to store up the influence of Thoreau. If you listen to this podcast outdoors, it is the place to store up the influence of Henry David Thoreau upon yourself. So, we're podcasting live from New York. <laughs> no, it's not outdoors, so that's kind of a fault. We read from, technically speaking, from page uh, 112, 112, to... Give a to page one twenty one in the year of eighteen fifty one, part two. Very interesting read. You think this is the deep part of Walden or the deep part of Henry David Thoreau? He took a walk in the moonlight with Henry David Thoreau, and we talked about the earth as a musical instrument. And we talked about his boyhood ex mystical experiences. <laughs> and uh, we talked about his sauntering through the woods. <laughs> Anyways, that's it. Uh, any comment? Hmm? We really went from... We went to, we read in the year 1851 from the date from, from June 13th to July 23rd. So we only read two months in the summer. Hmm. 